Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. What's that that's happening? It's the B&E Podcast that's happening. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, we always try to uh, change it up as we intro these things. I think we used to take them really seriously before. It's just like, hello, everybody. Uh, (laughs) We're doing a podcast. And now we're just like, ah, shit. Let's just do this. (laughs) Let's roll it. However, the whole changing it up. That's kind of what this one is about. That's true. Um, today we are talking about consciously changing your process to find inspiration mm. as an artist. And constantly or consciously? <laughs> consciously. <laughs> um, Let's make sure y'all got that. And uh, this was something that I thought it, it came to me uh, last night. I was watching this documentary that is uh, free to watch on YouTube. It is called uh, The Art of Listening. Really terrific. Really awesome. Um, if I think anybody who listens to music should actually watch this because it really gives um, gives you a sense and, and opens you up. I mean, to a degree, these are things that I've felt about music for a long time, but just to get really immersed in it and hearing artists and engineers and all these people who are in the business and art of creating sound, <laughs> um, and recording sound or what, mm. what have you talking about that process and everything that goes into it. Um, and the whole idea of the documentary is for the viewer to really take more seriously the act of listening to music hmm. and just being like, there's a whole process that goes into this. There's so much work and love. And, and so often we treat music as a thing in the background. Yeah. Um, and, and not engage with it. So it kind of encourages people to listen to music in a, in a deeper way. Hmm. Um, but anyhow, part of, um, this documentary that they were getting into was, uh, lots of different artists talking about, how they and producers and from people from all walks and, and fields of, of the industry talking about how they, they deliberately consciously make sure that they're doing something different. Um, when they're creating something new, when they're on a new project, they change their process okay. in, in different ways. They'll, they'll put their hands on, uh, a different kind of an instrument, like an instrument that they've never, never played before. Um, or use a new piece of technology that creates a kind of a sound that they've never tried out before or any number of things, but just consciously making sure that they're doing something different mm. because so often, uh, that's where they discover a new song or a new sound, um, that becomes very defining for them. Right. There was one, uh, artist, um, I can't remember her name. She's a musician from, uh, based out of Brooklyn and she had this, I I can't even remember the name of the instrument, but it's like a stringed instrument, uh, 12 strings on this thing. And 
it was almost like between a guitar and, and like a ukulele kind of thing, but a very interesting thing has a very, um, unique sound to it. And when she, she was saying how, when she first played this, this instrument, like the songs just were writing themselves. Hmm. Like they were just, they were just kind of pouring out and it was because of the instrument that she just felt like she was following Hmm. where, where that wanted to go. Right. And that would kind of echo a lot of the themes that many of them were talking about in terms of this, this quest to create a feeling and emotion to, you know, do all the stuff that artists are trying to do right. within their work. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that could be, um, that was a bit of a long winded introduction, but, <laughs> but I, that was kind of what, uh, what, what fueled me and piqued my interest is maybe a topic of conversation here. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I mean to continue kind of from our last conversation for me, um, pushing back into my acting career again and and really kind of taking the reins on that. That's something that, that I'm looking at how, how I can, how I can embrace change and not do the things that are comfortable. But, you know, also, you know, I've been looking at that, like there's, I find with like, with writing, like I was having a interesting, interesting debate with myself about like writing because there's certain cafes I'll go to and they're comfortable. Like they know who I am. They'll let me sit there all day and you know, whatever. And they kind of know the whole thing. And I almost went to a different cafe yesterday. My writing day. Almost. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't though. I actually did. I walked in, I sat down and they were slow to serve me and they were, they were just busy. And the, I I just kind of didn't get a good vibe from the environment. You know what I mean? And, um, as I was sitting there, I was kind of like, and they hadn't brought me even a menu yet. And I was like, eh, forget it. I'm out of here. And yeah. I walked down the street and I went to the cafe that I usually go to. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a, that's kind of an, it's an interesting struggle for me because with the writing, like I feel like there's certain places or there are certain things that I like to keep consistent so that yeah. I can kind of you know, feel comfortable enough not to have to think too much and not have my environment be too distracting. But I also like to get out of my place and not necessarily write in my place all the time. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I like to kind of be in public, but like almost kind of not really disturbed, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, I'm kind of like trying to figure out that line, but I'm finding like with, with, um, with like acting and things, it's actually, more advantageous for me to do something different every day. Like it actually works the opposite. It's like, if I do the same thing, it all becomes kind of bland, you Mm -hmm. know? So like, I think that's kind of like, it probably informs my writing as well too. Like, but like not actually doing the writing, but like when I do sit down to the writing, if I've gone out and done some different things in my life, I'll come back with some like inspiration and some life. Yeah. So I think like, you know, I think there is, you know, being conscious about when to, when to find change and when to keep things the same. It's kind of an important part of, of being an artist, Yeah. you know, but I think it's, it's a little easier to keep everything the same all the time. Yeah. So like for me, I'm pushing myself to do a few more things that are, that are changing because I mean, who knows, maybe there's a cafe or maybe there's some other place I like to write at more, but I don't know yet. Cause I'm not ever venturing outside of my little arena. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
you know, it's like, okay, well, if, if the, what's the goal is the goal to try to create something new or is the goal to create a circumstance so that like, I feel I'll get a lot done. And I think yesterday the aim was to get a lot done as opposed to have a new experience. So, you know, so this is kind of like where I'm, where I'm kind of like figuring out where do I want to go and what's the value I'm trying to uphold. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's an important awareness to have because, you know, I don't think that this is, you know, this whole topic and this idea is about being, because you can almost become routine about doing something different all the time. Right. Uh, there's, there are kind of sides to the same, to the same coin, you know, like, cause we, there's a part of us that thrives in having a sense of routine, mm-hmm. having a way of working that we can always at, at the very least, we can always fall back on it and we can count on it. Yeah. Um, but then there's also the flip side of you can get your routine, even as sort of productive as it might be, can become an artistic rut. You know, you're doing a routine and now you're just, you're kind of churning, you're just going through motions now and you and there's, there can be a great deal of lack of, um, lack of inspiration that's happening. So I think that this is much like our, our show where artistry meets industry. This is another one of those. Yeah. I think conversations of it's like, okay, well, I think the consistency and the habit routine is the industry side of doing your art and the change is the artistry of it. It's the, you know, creating new stimulus, creating new inspiration, creating new, um, challenges, right? Like, you know, um, like we had, uh, you know, we were talking, um, you know, the day after our last podcast and I was thinking about going back to an old acting class and then after, you know, we all had our meeting, the post mastery meeting, mm-hmm. um, you know, I kind of, I was kind of just confronted with the idea of like, well, maybe just do something new, even if it's like, even, even doesn't matter what it is, but like, it just kind of, you know, dawned on me that, yeah, like that's an, that's a place where I might just want to do something different, you know, yeah. instead of going back to what's comfortable, going back to what I know, you know, and I think this has been a challenge for me as an artist in, in my whole life has been like, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of desire for safety and comfort and consistency and knowing. Right. Yeah. And then there's a certain amount of like need for like change and challenge and, and, and putting myself in positions that I'm not usually um, used to. And I think the thing is, is that, you know, it's, it's easy to avoid change. It's easy to avoid discomfort and challenges and stuff like that. And, you know, right now I'm kind of, that's why I was like looking forward to doing this talk because I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at how by challenging and changing things up, that will actually help me. Mm -hmm. And like, even if it actually, you know, I was actually writing about that this morning. I was like, even if it makes it worse, it's different, but it's like not as good. It's, it's probably better because doing it the same is kind of like not having a heartbeat, but like, and I think that's the fear of the change sometimes is like, well, I don't want to do it. And then it doesn't work out. It's like worse, you know? And so like right now I'm kind of at a time where it's like, well, no, maybe just in, just do the thing. And if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. Like, but like y- the context will help you know more of what you want, you know? Yeah. And that will help you navigate better. But like, 
you know, like it's like, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship that's like, I've been in like an abusive kind of like emotionally abusive relationship. Okay. And you don't know you're in a bad relationship, really like a toxic kind of destructive relationship and almost until you get out of it. And then you're like, or maybe you date somebody else and you're like, this is how people can treat each other. You know, it's like, and you like, didn't even realize like you were being kind of mistreated or, you know, you weren't in a good situation. Um, and you know, or sometimes maybe you're in a really good situation, a really good relationship. And then you, you know, maybe that ends or you end it and then you, you date somebody else and it ends up like being really not, not great. And then you think back to the person you're with and man, you're like, I didn't really appreciate that person because I didn't know what I had. Right. But like, in some ways you need the change before you can recognize why you value something. Otherwise you might never value it. You know, you might not know. And so I think if, you know, and anyways, side note, if, if you had a real genuine relationship and you, and you weren't total asses to each other, you can always kind of go back and realize that you had something good if you really did have something good. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, if you didn't, that's another thing to look at, but sometimes the change can help everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I don't think everybody should go out and like leave their relationship, but like maybe just get out of your routine in your relationship, you know, see, see a little bit about what's going on. Maybe, you know, like that's another thing, actually, it's the last thing I'm going to say, cause I feel like I'm going on a rant here again, but, um, certain activities that I'm doing, like just go and do a different activity with a different group try it out. Yeah. You know, hang out with some new people, see what they're like, you know, just because you can get, I can get caught in my social circle. I can get caught in that and like, and, and not think outside of that box, you know, travel, whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Travel, do something new. Variety is the spice of life (laughs) as they say. And variety is, is as this conversation, as we're trying to, uh, to, get into is, is a great source of, of inspiration. Um, you know, like I know for myself, like I've, I've been looking at something else to do. And, and I realized that like, I've kind of how I've kind of done this, but with, uh, with my guitar playing, like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm in a rut hmm. with it. You know, I'm feeling just like whatever. I've, and it's like, yeah, I've just been doing, doing the same stuff. I haven't been really learning anything new. I haven't been growing. I've just, whenever I'm sitting down, I'm kind of sitting down and doing what I already know. Yeah. And, and so you end up just sitting there for a little while and then you put it down you're done. And, and so I'm, I'm at this stage where I'm going like, okay, well let's get a couple. I've got a bunch of like new, like video lessons on YouTube from like players, like new, new things to learn. Right. And that, and I find once I'm doing that stuff, like I'm just, my interest in, in playing and, and going just like shoots through the roof. Right. It just gets me inspired to, to go further. Well, you can also, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. And that's, I think part of the, that equates into this thing. And, and, um, that was even one of the things that one of the, um, musicians in this documentary was talking about the, or was he a producer? I can't remember, but he, uh, he had said that like, he's, he's learned to just thrive in being uncomfortable Mm. or at least being a bit uncomfortable, not necessarily severely, but a little uncomfortable with what he's doing Mm. when he's doing something new. 
because he, he's learned to trust that having a little bit of discomfort is a good thing mm-hmm. in terms of creating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a balance because there is a, like, and th- there's a point where too much comfort or too much discomfort becomes really painful and yeah. not a good situation. And so I think it's, you know, it's really, it really is finding a certain kind of balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I remember I heard someone speaking and talking about how, like, you know, th- as they were talking, they were like, well, you know, and they just, they moved in their chair and they were like, you see, I just moved in my chair. And like, why did I do that? I was uncomfortable. I'm trying to make myself more comfortable and that's natural. We're going to try to do that. So, you know, there's a certain amount of like discomfort, which, is good and challenging, but there's a certain amount of discomfort where it will just like hinder your ability to be able to do whatever it is you're trying to do. So I think, you know, I think it's all, I I think the other thing too, is that I'm realizing more and more, it's about thinking more about the value that I'm trying to uphold above all else, because that will help inform me, you know, with the thing I'm doing. Like, it's funny. I was actually writing about this yesterday and I was writing about how much like I I was thinking very deeply about how pain and discomfort has actually guided me to make, you know, smarter decisions in my life, but it's all about how you respond to pain and and discomfort. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about, I'm like, yeah, like certain things like, um, you know, uh, whatever, like my iPad or whatever was not functioning properly. It was shutting down. It was freezing. It was doing all that stuff. And it's a little bit older. And I've been thinking about getting a new one or getting some other option. And it's, it's done this a bit. Like it's been inconsistent more and more over the last year. I've had it for probably about four or five years. I don't know. It's had it since like, it's one of the first generation ones, right? But it's been great. I've treated it really well. But in this last year, it's just like doing things and it's costing me time and, and effort and it's frustrating. And so I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm like, well, you know, I'm experiencing enough pain here where I'm ready to make a change because, um, you know, up until that point, I was just pretty much willing to put up with it, even though it wasn't an optimal machine, you know, even though I could have something better. And, um, I was thinking about it on the alternative. It's like weightlifting or like doing fitness, you know, there's times where it's painful, but like you want, I want to go towards that pain. I want to go towards that discomfort because I know the value that it's actually building and helping me. So I think when you experience discomfort or pain, well, this is what I'm discovering in my life. When I experience pain or discomfort is to really just check in. Is this pain or discomfort like hindering me and hurting me or is it helping me and building me? And if it's helping me and building me, keep going towards it. And if it's hurting me and hindering me, then that's, it's a clear communication. Okay. Maybe you need to do something about this and change it. But I think like, if you get too comfortable, you're neither helped nor hurt. And you're basically just kind of nothing. And if you're nothing, you're, you're probably always destroying yourself because it's like, like nature needs to move. It needs to grow. You know, water needs to move to stay fresh. So if you get too comfortable, you get too still, you get too stagnant, you get stale, Yeah. you know? And I think as an artist, our careers um, will suffer if we get too stale. And in life, I think you'll suffer too. I think, you know, you start to put on weight, you'll start to have health issues. You'll start to have all sorts of things come up if you get too comfortable and too, you know, stagnant in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think this conscious change is kind of like a good way to like say, okay, well let's, 
let's figure out how I can put myself in discomfort to grow and build and evolve, you know, at the same time, you know, how much growth can you handle? You know? Yeah. It's like, you know, it might be only a little at first, maybe you can handle more later. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like in terms of, I'm just trying to think of how this can like apply to like different, different artists, you know? And I, I, I feel like, you know, for actors, it's like try doing, doing a part that you wouldn't normally consider yourself right for, Mm. you know, learn a, learn a monologue or something that's completely something you've never done. Mm. Um, if you're a writer, maybe a genre or a subject matter that you've never taken on before or a different kind of character you wouldn't normally write. Yeah. Yeah. That you don't know really anything about. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just there, I think there's all sorts of ways that we can, we can consciously move into, into something, but I think movement is the key you know, movement is kind of the, the way of life. Hmm. You know, you move, if like, if you, if you stop, you, you kind of die. Yeah. Right. And it's about being part of that, that flow and almost pushing back against some of our desires to be safe Hmm. and, and to just have like a perfect way of doing things. I think it's like, it's a weird desire that we're that we learned from very early on mm-hmm. to just learn how to do something and be perfect at it and then just leave it. Right. And then you'll just continue to do that forever and ever and ever again. And, and it will all work out perfectly. And that's just not the way that, that anything goes. I mean, if you're caught in something that where where that's the reality, hmm you're doing the job of a machine, right? You're doing the job of, of something that is mechanized, right? You're no longer human at that point. You lose what is vital in being human, which is change and expansion and, and learning and growth and, and movement like where it's, and I think to some people, and even for myself, that whole notion would be, would be troubling at, at one point in my life. I think that that would have probably upset me, but as I've been starting to like learn this whole thing, it's just like, no, it's, it's, it's something to be, I think, excited about hmm. once you learn to make, make sort of a peace with that. It's like, no, you're, you're constantly going to be in this state of, of having this deep desire to create something different for some kind of change Mm -hmm. in your life, um, and in your work. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's where creativity kind of comes from is that we want to create something new. We want to create something different. And, um, I think the same old, same old gets, gets boring and it it kind of, uh, I, it, you know, I guess that's the thing is like a life that you, you know, has lived unchallenged and untested is not really a life at all. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of very bland and very boring. And it's, it's funny that we even get seduced into wanting to be comfortable and wanting to keep everything the same and, you know, and, uh, and, and trying to hang on to like, uh, you know, I think we can all relate to that where you try and hang on to a perfect moment and you want it to just last forever. And, 
I think the thing is like, when you start to embrace change more, you start to realize that the thing that made the moment so glorious was because there's so many different moments that in context, it, it gives it a certain amount of, you know, uh, special. Right. And I, I think that, you know, I think that all moments can be really special. Even the really painful, hard moments can be really special, but we just have like a very like biased kind of limited way of looking at it. And I think it's also a lot to do with our culture. I think our culture is very like, um, control orientated, you know? And so people are kind of taught at a very early age that they can have predictable results that they can, if they do the game, right, if they play the system, right, that they can have everything and be sure of how it's going to work out. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're realizing more and more that that just is not so, and the Mm. world's just changing so quickly that if we, if we aren't willing to change, like if we try to keep things the same, we'll just get, you know, we, we might have temporary, um, success, but it will go away as fast as the world changes because, you know, you see companies like rise and fall, you know, uh, because a new company comes up and they're, and they're more modern, they're adapting to the change, you know, they're, they're, um, they're up to date with current events and, and they're evolving with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing too, is like, when we're talking about consciously changing. I mean, consciously changing, isn't just like, I should change because I know I need to for my own good health, but changing because like, um, you're conscious of what's actually going on in the world to be able to respond to it. Yeah. You know, like it's like in an acting scene, right? Like if the tone changes in the room and the other character or characters, you know, are responding differently and you just go, no, it's, it's supposed to be done this way. Yeah. Well, you're totally going to be totally false and fake and and just totally off. Right. And that's like, you know, we see that all the time. It's like, you got to respond to the moment. And sometimes whether you like it or not, the moment is going to force you to change. Or if you refuse to change, you'll just, you just won't get the results out of the moment anymore because you're not playing in that moment. You're playing in some moment in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that in acting, like you get to see that, how immediate that all works. Right. Um, because yeah, like, so, so many, um, actors are involved with what they think should be happening as opposed to what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. Um, most, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about like, not just in like a classroom, I'm talking about a shit that I see on TV and films and stuff like that. There's just, yeah. And an actor or an artist comes in with their idea of how they think it should be. And then something, something happens Their their, their partner or the person across from them, like throws something at, at them and you just watch it just like land somewhere that isn't anywhere near their vicinity. Yeah. They're just like stuck on how they're going to do this thing because this is how it was planned. This is how it's going to be controlled and whatever. And we had a pretty big, good talk about actors on our last one, um, in relation to some of this, but it's, I think that in terms of this conversation, (laughs) it's about creating space in yourself for change where you allow it, where you are, I think 
you, you become part of that movement because change is inevitable. It's one of those facts of life that, you know, has been said so many times, just like change is going to happen. Yeah. That's just the way of it. And are you going to fight against that like all the time? Or are you going to engage with, with change? Mm -hmm. Are you going to embrace change in, in a way? And, and as artists, I think it's so important. I think that part of this, it's not about, because the risk that I see, and I don't want anybody to get this impression from what we're saying is that you start creating change just out of, um, a sense of being interesting Um, because then it becomes a contrived thing. It's like, Oh, well I'll do this just because it's different. I mean, that can still be a fun experiment. Um, to do something just because it's different, but then you have to still leave room for it to become something that you weren't expecting. Well, yeah, I think it's kind of the, it's kind of the authenticity of, of like, of doing it. I mean, that's kind of a vague way to put it, but like if you're doing something different, to be interesting to someone else or whatever, then I think that's false. But if you're doing something different because it actually interests you, that's probably very authentic. You know, it's like that saying is like, if you want to be interesting, be interested, you know? Yeah. Like, and I think too often, and you see this with artists, especially with actors is they're trying to be interesting. Like I'm going to make a really interesting choice. And it's like, No, like, like, why are you doing that? It's not interesting to you. It's interesting because you think everyone else will think it's interesting. You know, you think everyone else will be like, it's different. Yeah. You know, but it's like, like, I think, um, you can do something different if you're interested in like, well, you know, what would happen if I did this? You know, like for, I'll give you like an, a kind of an interesting example. Like I was in, um, elementary school. I think I was in kindergarten or grade one. I don't know what it was, something like that and, um, probably kindergarten. And we're all doing like a story time teacher. I don't know, a substitute teacher or something. Right. And she's got us all sitting around and she's about to read a book or do something. And, uh, she, she gets very stern with us all of a sudden. And she's like, (laughs) and she's like, uh, (laughs) look, she's like, I want, she said some things and she's like, nobody raised their hand after this. Nobody raises their hand. I don't know. I couldn't understand. I was a little kid. I couldn't understand why she was saying that. And I was just like, so interested in what would happen if I raised my hand, not because I cared what everyone else would think of me. In fact, that was like, so out of my mind, I was just like, what'll happen if I raise my hand? So the moment she started talking, I was just like, I put my hand up. Right. (laughs) And she's like, I told you not to raise your hand. And I was just like, and I didn't even care what she had done. But to me, it was just, I was so interested in finding out what would happen. That's why I did it. And so I think like, school system hates people like you. (laughs) And it started early for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, as an, as an artist, sometimes doing something different to see what will happen because you actually are really interested in what might come of this and maybe it'll backfire in your face. You don't know. But if you do that, that can be, that can really work in your favor. But I think if you do it because you're like, I'm going to be, I want everyone to look at me. I want the recognition. Like that's kind of a, I mean, maybe, maybe you can find a way to do that genuinely. But I, in my experience, I think when I've done it or when I've seen other people do it, like when I see actors go like, I'm going to make a really interesting choice. It's like, 
you're consciously trying to make an interesting yeah. choice. Like, like it's, that's weird. Like that would be weird in life. You know, like people do interesting things, Yeah. but they don't necessarily like are aware that it's interesting. Yeah. Most of the time people don't realize how interesting yeah. they are. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, uh, Stanislavski he said, you're more interesting than the greatest actor who ever lived. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, because yeah, reality is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and the other thing too, which is at least it's in my belief, it's like, yeah, you don't really know what interesting is. You don't really know. Like it's interesting is subjective for the person to a degree, but you can never really know if the decision you've made for this part is interesting yeah, or not. Mm-hmm. Like you might think it's interesting. Um, and then in which case, yeah, like explore it. But the thing is, is that you also have to remain. I think you also have to remain open to the truth of what's happening because if you're doing this thing, cause you're like, it's interesting. I mean, that's great. You can experiment with that, but if you put it into practice and you're just like, no, this is, this is bullshit. This yeah. is absolute nonsense. This is coming from nowhere. Then you scrap it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, but I think that this is again, people getting, people get stuck in this idea of just like, well, I'm doing it because it's interesting and I'm just going to do it because I've said, I'm going to do it. And I think it's interesting and do it or like do it just to be different. Like, you know, I think, um, or as a method of control though. I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. control it is, it is, is a, it's like a method of control. Yeah. And then it's not really change at all. It's not really, yeah. uh, anything like if you're trying to control the outcome, if you, if you're trying to predict like, and I, and like, I think where at least in acting where I've seen it just go awry is and you know, I've done this before as an actor too. So I'm not like, I'm, I'm not excused from this, but oh, like, yeah, me neither. doing something that, uh, that I think the audience will really like, like that's always backfired. And, and any, anytime I've ever seen it, it always backfires. It's, it's, it's just so ingenuine. It's so false, you know? And, yeah. um, but like, uh, when, like when you do something, and you think it's so normal or so like whatever. And everybody like, like, or later people come to you and go, it's so interesting when you did this thing and you're like, Oh really? Like what? And they're like, you know, but like, it's funny because you can't really tell. And that's the thing. Like, that's why you got to trust authenticity. You got to trust your own yourself. And like, don't think that you're just like everybody else, just because you think you appear that way. You, you aren't, you know? Yeah. But like, I think a lot of people, will look the same because they're trying so hard to get everyone else's approval that they do things like the way everyone else does them. Cause they think that's what you're supposed to do. And that's like a learned yeah. behavior in school. Right. And like, you know, or there's people who just get really defiant and they're like, I see what everyone else does. And I'm just going to do the opposite because I want to do the opposite of everyone else does. That's you're still controlled by the same thing. It doesn't matter. But like when you're authentic, it may look like everyone else. It may not look like everyone else. It may look like something else entirely. And you won't really know. But if you're like being truthful and you're trusting that who, who you are and what you really think and what you believe is valid, that's when that's what is really interesting, mm-hmm. you know, but it's weird. Cause like, you know, I, that's, you know, and I stomp on it every now and then, but the fucking school system like is trying to make 
replicas of kids. It's trying to make like little machine robot kids. It's changing now. I've been talking to a lot of teachers though. They're the, the education system is evolving, which is awesome. Yeah. Like our generation and our parents' generation, I mean, it was all based on the industrial revolution yeah. and it still is to some degree, but like the whole idea was to get people to come out, do the same tests, do the same things, be trained the same way, all sit in a line, all do the, you know, yeah, and you're a good kid everything. or you're a bad kid, you know, and it was very black or white. And there was not a lot of like room for individualism and and whatever. And individualism was looked down upon in the industrial revolution. Right. So, um, you know, now we're in a time where the industrial model is just absolutely failing because, you know, robots are able to take those jobs and, and, or they're being done for cheaper in some other, other country. Right. And there's being, and, and those types of jobs are just manipulated right down to the point where no, where you aren't getting any money at all. And then, you know, companies are abusing people who, who basically embrace the industrial model, right? Like you're getting, um, you know, you're getting let go of before your pension or, you know, like, um, just dealing with a company that's trying to screw you out of money. Like you have health concerns or whatever, like people don't even have pensions. You know, there's all sorts of promises that aren't being met that Mm -hmm. were supposed to be met, you know? And so, you know, and people are getting their degree and their degree isn't anything now. It's now you got to have your master's and then, okay, now your master's isn't enough, right? Like it's, it's, and the problem is, is like getting your degree and getting your master's and graduating from high school, all of that is all good. It's all good to do. It, It does a certain thing, but if you lose your individualism through the process, if you lose you and you try to do it all right, you've totally lost, you know, it doesn't matter how educated you've become at that point. Yeah. You're still just a tool now. And yeah. you've made yourself into the perfect tool. Right. And I think that, you know, we need to, we need to, and, and I think when we do things to be interesting, like what you want to be a more interesting tool, or do you want to be like, or do you actually want to be more interested in your life? Right? Yeah. Doing something different will, will make you more interested because when you're in a new surrounding, you can't help but be interested. Yeah. You can't help but pay attention. When you're in the same scenario all the time, you don't have to pay attention. It's just easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing with, with when you're choosing to do something different, um, with whatever you, your, the kind of work is that you do is you're doing it from the point of seeing, of going, let's see if I can find some inspiration in this. Mm-hmm. It's not about it being, I think, yeah, I think maybe this is what the problem is, is that you look at doing something different as being like the, the ends of something like, it's just like, that's, Oh yeah, I'm just going to do it different because that's, that's the end point. Right. As opposed to seeing it as a means to a possible end. Right. Um, to alternative. Yeah. To an alternative, but you know, you get set in making a decision to do something different and then you've just done this thing, but you don't, there's actually no inspiration behind it or there's no inspiration to be found in it. That doesn't mean that there isn't. Um, like I was, you know, working on a monologue recently and I was doing it with a bunch of different accents. I just started trying a bunch of different accents with it, even though it was like based on where the, where the scene and like the characters are from, where it all takes place, um, their socioeconomic backgrounds, what have you. 
it, none of them actually made sense for who the character is, but through doing some, some of like doing these, doing the monologue a few times with these different accents, I found different layers to it. So while I ultimately didn't keep the accents that I, these weird accents that I had tried it out with, there was a kind of, um, a new understanding. I had found all kinds of little things within the words that I hadn't, I hadn't discovered before and that I wouldn't have had discovered had I not just tried doing something different. Hmm. And to me, that's where I, what I think that this is, this is about. It's not necessarily saying like, yeah, the different is going to be what makes this as opposed to saying like, well, the different is going to lead me to something that is genuine. Hmm. That's different. That's different for me is something I haven't navigated, but it's still something that is exciting. Yeah. Something that is, is provoking, um, to, I don't know, just to, to move forward with, to, to continue exploring some, exploring it in a way that, that you didn't necessarily think. Hmm. And that's what it is. It's like, it's because otherwise, yeah, interesting or change just becomes something as contrived and as controlled as maybe the routine you were in before. It's just like kind of dressed up and disguised right. in a new way. You know, it's just like, you just put a, you just put a different frame on the same picture. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. Well, so what do you, what do you want to do different? What do you want to change your life? How are you going to put this in emotion? Oh geez. You're going to just, th- you're going to throw me in the spot, huh? Um, I'm just trying to think of what, what I'm working on now in terms of what I want to work on now. I mean, for me, like guitar is definitely something that I've, I'm started doing that with just because I'm like, I'm in a rut. I haven't been changing enough. I've been doing enough differently with that. Um, in other regards, I don't know. I'm in the middle of some other projects that I'm just like finishing up. So well, you're moving. That's change, I guess. Yeah, that is change. Yeah. Yeah. Change of scenery, change of, uh, yeah. Neighborhood environment. For me, I think, (laughs) for me, I think it's like, uh, you are right there. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, for me, I think it's like going and just doing things that are different, like a different acting class, uh, hang out with some different groups. Um, change my, my daily routine. Like, you know, um, for example, like, you know, something I've been doing recently is like, instead of just walking down the street and going to my local area, drive down the road or like take the, take transit or do whatever and just go somewhere else to another area and like hang out in that area for the day, you know? And, um, you know, and, and as the, as time goes on, I'm kind of planning on just venturing out and just doing more things outside of my, you know, just, just getting into a new place. Like, you know, the other day I went and which I haven't done in ages. I just went down to the street there and I went and walked through the library and like looked at some books, which I hadn't done in a long time, you know, and, uh, you know, um, had a conversation with the librarian, had a conversation with some other people that I wouldn't normally talk to, you know, yeah. and like, um, you know, it was good. It was, it was enriching. It was kind of like, 
um, it, it, it kind of, I, th- I found that once I started changing a few things, um, I started to see more, more and more options of where I could go. I mean, what I'd like to do is I'd like to, you know, um, figuring out a few things so I can make this more possible, but like go traveling and go to some different countries, some different cities, um, you know, whatever it might be, just because I just feel like there, there's a certain amount of, there's a certain amount of the same kind of thing that's been happening, you know, the same kind of dealing with the same people, they're in the same mindset, the same thing. Right. And sometimes I think also like when I change the environment, um, not only do I get around other people, but also like my mentality changes as well. Yeah. And you know, this kind of spurs on new ideas and, and, and more interesting things. And I think like, also like as a writer, like, you know, I write every single day and unless I'm doing something different, it's, I don't have as much to write about, but when I started doing more different things, like, the, like I started doing more different things in the last like week or so I've written probably about four or five times the amount I normally write. And that's just because of some little changes, some new stimulus, some new things that are coming in. So I look at that and I'm like, well, I guess my well is a little bit more full to draw upon. Right. Yeah. Whereas like before, um, I wasn't writing as much, not because I'm not capable of writing, but I didn't have as much to call upon. You know, I didn't have as much, uh, you know, and when everything's the same, you kind of like, maybe you write that one day and maybe you write it another day kind of almost, but you don't, you know, like now I'm just, now I just have to fully draw on my imagination, you know, like right. I have to fully go to like past experiences or, you know, or like wonders about what could happen in the future. And like, that's endless and limit and, and limitless. But I think that there's a certain amount of the real world life of change in the real world life that helps inform the imagination, you know? Oh yeah. And if you don't kind of opens up new possibilities and yeah. things that you never, that you never thought were possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting too. Like, uh, you know, kind of, you know, like I'm single, right. So I'm doing the, doing kind of getting back into the whole dating game. I've just kind of was out of it for months and I just was doing my own thing and that's fine. And now I'm kind of like venturing back into it and going, okay, you know, like I kind of want to start dating again. And like, you know, I kind of know what, what I'm looking for and you know, the values at least that I have hold, and then maybe I'll find someone that aligns with that. But like, I, I, I kind of took account of my life and I was like, you know, I haven't really been changing my environment very much. So I'm interacting with the same people all the time. And most of the, I would say probably like most of the women that I'm interacting with, I'm not really interested in, in, in any of them. Like I'm not interested in any of them more than maybe being friends or whatever. Yeah. And so like I kind of took account of that and I was like, well, you know, even if I do want to date right now, there's not really anybody who I would date. Like I wouldn't date anybody. And I was like, you know, that kind of really, um, gave me kind of an awareness. It's like, well, like, you know, if I'm not meeting anybody who is, who is even really a potential person that I want to date, like I'm not going to be dating. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And so I've been venturing out a little bit more and, you know, it was interesting because I've been expanding my social circle a little bit. And like the other day I ran into somebody and, you know, and it's the first time in a while where I met somebody and I was like, you know, yeah, I could, I could see, you know, I could see something happening with this person. And, and I think that's the thing is like, maybe my social environment was kind of blase a little bit, like not to say that, 
just at least in that arena of my life was not really providing kind of the options I want. And, um, I think that's, that's kind of where the, the, the change needed to occur is like, I was in a little bit of a bubble, you know, it was a little bit of the bubble of seeing the same people, the same things all the time. Yeah. And also I'm finding that like, there's this, um, you know, I'm part of a few groups. There was one particular group that I'm a part of and I've been really kind of taking account of their mentality. And I've been like, well, I, there's certain things I like about their mentality, but then there's other things that I'm like, well, you know, um, I don't feel like I'm getting all I need from that alone. And so I've been going, okay, well, like maybe, you know, maybe I just need to like get around some other groups, get around some other people. And so I actually have been doing that a bit over the last couple of weeks as well. And just seeing how some other people think. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I think the problem is I've done for too long, too many things the same way. And they, they're good. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I necessarily want to walk away from those things. Yeah. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. No, but they just (laughs) too much or, or too much of the same thing or too little of anything new. Yeah. is kind of like, you know, it's like, and, and what's interesting is like, as I've been kind of venturing out more in the last week or two and just changing my life up little bits here and there, I've been noticing that like, I feel like I've been functioning at about 10% of what I'm capable of simply because I have not been putting myself in the social circles or new environments to flourish because it's like, you can only, I can only flourish so much in the environment that I'm in because it's, it's all it allows for, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, if you're hanging out with everybody, like, like a lot of the girls that I hang out with, you know, they're, they're in a relationship, right? We're friends to me, I'm not going to, I mean, maybe some people would, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to tread that. I'm not going to go and cross the line there. That's not happening. So you, you know, you immediately take all those people that I'm interacting with and they're not even on the, they're not even on the, the list of an option to date. So now I have, I'm left with a few single women that I am hanging out with. And if I'm not interested in those women, you know, then really like, there's no wonder I'm not dating. Cause it's like, there's no one, there really hasn't been an option, you know? And like, that's kind of, that's kind of what I started to realize. I was like, yeah, like, but everything's like that. The dating thing is, is a reflection of anything. It's like, you know, um, your social environment creates a certain amount of potential. And for me, it was creating potential in certain areas, but like no potential in other areas you know, just dating being one of the ones that I encountered. And so I realized it's like, well, if I do actually want to date, you know, I mean, I can go online, but if I want to meet somebody in life in real life, I'm going to need to go and, and get out in the world and be in different environments and social circles. Because right now the social circle that I'm in, which I do like, doesn't really like, if I don't change it, my current situation of being single will probably never change. Or I'll date someone who I don't really have an attraction for. And maybe they don't have an attraction for me. Why would I do that? You know, why would I go through that? But I think that was, that was kind of the interesting thing I took stock of. So going to a new restaurant, going to a new store, joining a new group, doing a new thing, new opportunity for new friends, doing different activities, uh, meeting new potential women to date. Um, just all these options start to come out. And like, that's why I feel I've been performing at like 10%, not because, not because of my lack of will to give it all I got, 
Yeah. But because of the lack of options I've provided for myself to do anything other than what I'm doing. I think that sums up what I want to say pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And you know, and they say that, um, confidence is the belief in yourself without doubt and self-esteem is having options, more options. Yeah. More self-esteem, the less doubt you have and more belief in you have, the more confidence you have. Um, and so you look at it, it's like, well, if I only have one option, how much self-esteem can I have in certain areas of my life? Like if you only have one option to do, to do something you care about, I mean, how much self-esteem can you have? Yeah. You know, if you have no options, I mean, you have none. And if you, if, if you have things that create doubt in your life, like, you know, I, I went through a a period in my life when I was uh, in my early twenties, which was a game changer for me, where there's a bunch of people in my life who were just negative Nellies, doubters, you know, just, you know, like for example, uh, you know, uh, one person said to me once, like they did, they just make comments that were like, like didn't weren't necessary, you know, just negative comments, you know, like, um, you know, naturally most people, if you're right-handed or left-handed, one of your arms will, or whatever, like you'll have muscle that's like a little bit stronger on one side than it is on the other. It just tends to be that way. Yeah. But one person I remember one day like commented, they're like, you know, yeah, your arm's bigger than your other one, you know, like, or your other arm's smaller than your other one or whatever. Like just, and just like comments like that, you know, just, right. And just like subtle little digs and yeah, jabs. subtle little digs and bringing people down. Mm-hmm. And so I took stock of that at one point and I said, you know what, I'm moving away. I'm moving away from the crowd and, and my life dramatically changed for the better yeah. because I started to see that there was other options than what I was dealing with. But what I was around at the time seemed quite normal. It seemed okay. But that's the thing, you know, we started this conversation about pain, like is pain helping you and growing you or is it hindering you and hurting you? And I was experiencing pain that was hindering and hurting me with those people. But if I moved away from it, I would grow, you know, whereas there's other things where it's like, oh, this is really painful and uncomfortable. But if I keep with it, I know the results will be good. You know, so it really depends on pain. Pain is, is something that we feel when we are ignoring our own nature to change. Hmm. I think, um, and how painful it gets is, is essentially that (laughs) that's up to us to a degree. How painful, how long do you want it to go on for? But pain is actually something to teach us to make it, make a choice that's different from something that we're, we're doing. Hmm. Um, something that isn't working for us, um, that we are not letting go or we're not accepting, we're not admitting anything along those lines. Because I mean, I, I can relate to a similar experience where, uh, mine happened earlier when I was in high school and I was hanging out with, with a circle of people who, um, I really didn't like, uh, I really didn't like any of them. (laughs) And like, but it was, it was comfortable because I knew these people from, you know, from elementary school and they, I'd been hanging out with a few of them, but this was now we'd gone to high school and there's all these other new faces that are coming into it. And these were, so I was familiar with some of them. And also it was like an egotistical desire as well, because, you know, there were, they were sort of 
it was it was sort of one of the more popular groups, right? So yeah. it's like you're like, okay, well, it's like this is kind of the popular one of the popular groups, and I'm a part of it, so whatever. Even though I was like miserable, mm-hmm. uh, and and it became it became so painful, and it took getting like bullied within my own group of friends, and then and then finding one other friend. That was basically it. I found I I had made one friend who is outside of this group of people, uh, who, and it was, it was literally, it was just a decision one day where I was just like, I'd had enough. I'm like, I'm not going out like, like lunch. It was basically a lunch period decision (laughs) is actually what it was. It was lunch period decision. I was like, am I going to go with these usual group of guys who I can't fucking stand, (laughs) right? Who I can't really be relaxed around. I can't like, I'm just, nothing's working. Or do I go and I can hang out with this guy and I ended up hanging, deciding to hang out with this guy who was a lot more chill. I could just sort of be myself more around didn't treat me like garbage. Kind of like you're talking about with relationships, right? When you don't necessarily even know. Yeah. You don't know. Um, and I was good friends with this person for a little while, but that lunch period, basically he had introduced me to some people that he was hanging out with. And now one of those people is like, is, is like my best friend. Hmm. And that's, well, that's, and that's how it can go. I mean, like, you know, and and actually because pain, it had to get painful, right? It's, you know, know, it's, it's interesting. Like your environment really like, like our last talk really does inform you in so many ways. I mean, it's, you know, and it's, it's really hard to be in an environment and recognize sometimes that you're, you're not flourishing in it and it doesn't fit for you. And that even it's toxic you know, similar thing for me in high school. I mean, I've shared this before, but I was hanging out with the most popular kids, you know, and then, you know, they did something that was just, it upset me so much that after that I like rejected them and it forever kind of put us, you know, at odds to some degree. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, my whole experience of like high school and just the whole like kind of Coquitlam area at the time when I was growing up was just kind of like, I, it was not, it was a lot of bullying. I, I noticed just a lot of arrogance, a lot of whatever. And I, and I, and I never really fit in with it. And I never really connected to that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I tried to find my group in there, but it was interesting to me. I was thinking about this the other day is like when I moved out of Coquitlam and I moved into Vancouver mm-hmm. and I started going to college and I was around all new people, I flourished and I went from being like this, you know, basically like this kid who was basically barely passing through high school to going to UBC, which at the time, like you had to have a really high grade point average to get into UBC. I mean, you Mm -hmm. had to like basically have like, you know, B plus A minus minimum, you know, Mm -hmm. to get in. And even for like an art student, which, you know, I was able to pull off, which I actually was thinking about that the other day. I was like, that's fucking amazing. Like, look how much I flourished. Like everyone thought I was this dumb kid. Like I was actually probably a really smart kid just 
in an environment that didn't allow me to flourish. And then mm-hmm. you put me in college and then you put me in university. And now all of a sudden I can flourish because, you know, um, I'm in a new environment around new people and I'm attracting new friends. And also like one thing about university and college is that it's not so cliquey. It can't be so small. There's just, there's different fields to go in. There's different areas. There's all sorts of different groups. You know, people come from all over the world, especially in university. And so, and, and in college, um, which is really neat too, is that, uh, cause I did college, I had to transfer through college, but like college, you know, people all ages, you know, you're dealing with people who are in their forties and fifties, you know, and you're, you know, you're a 17, 18 year old kid, you know, so you're learning how to work with adults. You're learning, you know, and then that's one of the best things about universities. You're learning how to work from people with all different cultures Yeah. and without, um, without them being able to hide behind their social group anymore either. Um, well, some people still manage to pull it off, but like for the most part, you know, most people, um, are, are, have a certain amount of individuality they're finding, you know, uh, I think that's the most, the best thing about like post-secondary kind of like studying. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah. And so I think that, you know, our environment is so important and sometimes we're in a toxic environment. And I was saying I stayed up all night and I binge watched shameless. Yeah. And I've been doing that a lot. Like I've been watching, like I'm on the third season of the show, but this is the interesting thing about this show is like, if you look at the environment they're all in, they're in like South Chicago, like just a really rough area with like really poverty, poverty stricken people, a lot of crime, a lot of whatever. Right. And everybody's kind of trying to do their best there, but like, you know, it's pretty hard to flourish in that environment. I mean, you don't have the same, you're not going to have the same mindset, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, um, well, you're walking around in this environment. I mean, if you're worried, you're going to get like literally beaten up or beaten to death or shot or killed or whatever, um, or robbed or whatever, that's like, you know, a regular kind of occurrence in your daily life, which it is for some people. I mean, you have different concerns on your plate. I mean, you're not thinking about, you're not around people that are thinking about transcending that stuff. Yeah. And so it's not to say that any one person in there, any group of people are, are bad or lesser than, but like they are the inertia of their environment. They are all part of it and it becomes normal and it becomes a bubble. And so sometimes the best thing you can do is just leave an environment and get into a new one because the environment you're in is toxic. And, and like, I just want to say like, it doesn't just have to be like a low end poverty thing. You could be in a really wealthy area. You know, you could be in an area where everybody has a lot of money and a lot of options and that could be equally or worse toxic, Mm -hmm. you know, just like money and status doesn't have anything to do with whether your environment is, is healthy or not. And sometimes you can step into an environment that maybe isn't necessarily the best environment because you have perspective because you, you know what it is. You have context of another environment. You can kind of help separate yourself from maybe the bad, but like when you grew up in an area and you, you, you only know that area and you have never seen real difference, you don't really know. That's why I think everybody should go to a third world country, you know, especially in like North America, everybody should go see a a third world country, go walk around and go experience that. Go to go, go like, you know, see that people are living in tin shacks with no windows and they sleep on the dirt, 
you know, and, 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 uh, go and are happy as clams. Yeah. Go experience, (laughs) go experience some of this stuff where you don't, you know, where you don't just have everything, you know what I mean? And you can start to learn to appreciate the things that you do have. But like, you know, I think sometimes our social environments are the biggest, uh, and, and if we don't change them, they're the biggest thing that holds us back, you know? And, um, until we, until we are able to venture out. So like, that's, that's a big reason why I'm like, ah, you know, like I've done some traveling, but I want to travel more and I want to just, I'm going to different areas of town, you mm-hmm. know, like went and walked around in like Hastings area, you know, just take, you know, talk to some people, take some account of that, you know, mm-hmm. go over, go over to the East side of Vancouver, go over to Kitsilino, you know, whatever, like just go to different areas of your city. Yeah. Experience that a little bit. Yeah. Go and be sometimes be, and, and I think part of what you're saying, what for me, this is, it's like, you know, sometimes making a change or doing something different, it's not, you know, you don't have to like move the world with what you're doing differently. It can be something so small. It can be something really tiny, like going and exploring a neighborhood that's just basically in your backyard that mm-hmm. you've never gone and really looked at. It can be walking down a different street in your own neighborhood that you never really walked down before. Yeah. You know, sitting on a park bench, if that's not something that you normally do, mm-hmm. sit on a park bench and look at what's in front of you. <laughs> totally. you, know, you could find inspiration doing something so stupid and simple like that. It's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I think that like the entire world and our entire lives, there's, is just poetry. There's, mm-hmm. just, there's just fucking poetry happening around us all the time. And sometimes it takes a little doing something different, a little pattern interrupt for ourselves to actually open our eyes yeah. to go like, Oh, holy shit. And then suddenly, you know, the, the floodgates are open for our creative sides, mm-hmm. right? We've got all this new fuel from doing something so small. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's cooking yourself a meal that you've never, you try cooking something you've never cooked for yourself before. Yeah. Trying a new recipe, like just do something different. Just like change something seemingly so insignificant. Yes. And it can, it can be profound. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a massive thing. So maybe that's like, maybe that's the, the kind of the point of this conversation is that if people want to get inspired, if they want to be creative, if they want change, if they want to make, find a new option, find a new way is like, figure out how you can consciously change your life. Like figure out what you can consciously do. And, and, and I think like one thing that I'll just share is like, the part of the reason why it took me a while to actually start making some changes again was I started, I was making excuses for a bit. You know, I was making excuses like, Oh, I don't really want to spend the money. I'm trying to save. I'm trying to pay this thing off or do this thing or whatever. Um, Oh, you know, I don't really feel like I'm ready to date or whatever, you know? And like, I I had a lot of reasons to keep myself in the same spot. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, what I'm realizing now is like, I had a lot of ways to kind of reinforce the ideas and you know, doing little changes, like just literally going to a different area of town, uh, you know, um, eating at a different place, talking to some different people, doing something in a different group, um, you know, whatever these little things have done profound. They've done, they've had a profound impact on, 
really like opening up more and more options for me. And, and, you know, I feel like now I can make bigger changes and and make bigger moves and do bigger things. I mean, even just, um, you know, in the beginning of the year, one thing that did help and, you know, but then I, it's, it's always a battle. I think, you know, I got caught in a little bit of inertia of consistency again of like routine, but I changed my apartment around. I just changed all the furniture and put it all in new locations. And there was a, a period after that for about a month or so. And I remember I was really flourishing and then, you know, life happens, certain things happen. They didn't go the way I wanted them to go, whatever, you know? And so then I started to get myself into a little bit of the inertia of being the same. So like, I think the thing for me now, just moving forward is just being really mindful about keeping a mindfulness and a consciousness about how I'm going to keep changing myself a little bit. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I think it's about being part of it. Like really it's, it's another one of those things in our lives that I think we're so disengaged with, um, and to re-engage with it, you know, because most of us, not all, but most of us, we do, we, we like the control, we like the routine and whatever. But then the more we do that, the more out of control we feel because you start to realize how much control you don't really have over so much of what's going on. And that in fact, we are, we're actually wired for change. Mm -hmm. Like internally, we want to change things as much as our minds and our egos are trying to like resist it, resist it. Yeah. I mean, I think of some of the, you know, the, the greatest times I've ever had in my life and it was always change like traveling or something, you know, you go out traveling for a while, you know, for an extended period of time where you're in different countries with different cultures and different languages and you just feel alive. Yeah. You just feel like everything is new. Everything is fresh. Everything is. And there's something that is kind of like uncomfortable about the whole thing. Absolutely. It's uncomfortable. It's like, I don't really know how to communicate with you like in, in exactly way, but you find a way Hmm. and you realize that all the shit that you're nervous about, isn't that really that big of a deal? Yeah. You know, you maybe learn a few things and you see some incredible sights and, and, and you just feel in some ways like you're in your element, you know, like we're, we're actually geared for change. We're geared for new experiences. It's funny how like we can fear change so much though, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's weird. It's like, uh, like I think we can all like listen to this conversation and we can all agree. They're like, yeah, yeah. Change is good. I can see all the benefits. I can see all the points, change my environment, give myself some new options, you know, do something new, meet some new people. I can see why that's all beneficial, but yet many people will listen to this and not do it. And I think one of the things that we might want to kind of like try to confront is like, why don't we do it? You know, why, Mm -hmm. why do we not change? I mean, like, I know that it's good for me to change. I know that it helps me. I know that it challenges me yet for some reason in my life, I don't always do it. And sometimes I get really caught in a routine. I get really caught in a certain kind of like, and it's, and it becomes at first, it doesn't feel like, like I'm doing any, I'm causing any trouble. But then all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like, I'm in a rut. The rut was like a routine gone sour. You know, it's like a routine gone, 
you know, wrong. Right. And like, I think that's where the rut kind of comes from. Um, you know, um, <laughs> routine rut. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, I was, I was like, you could probably turn like rut into some sort of like a, uh, an, an acronym like yeah. routine, um, <laughs> routine upturned <laughs> or something like that. I don't routine know. Routine upturned. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I think that's something we can talk about, but before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about this beer? Yeah. So super dark. It's, it's a, your selection. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking it's a, a Dunkel maybe. I think it's a, uh, it's kind of got like a little bit of the ale, but I think it's a Dunkel, um, which I really like those beers. It's a really dark one. If it is, um, uh, it seems like it's like a German or Belgian style type of beer and, uh, it's tasty. It's a little malty. It's kind of got like, a, um, I don't know, kind of a honey ish kind of quality to it. And let's see what else. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of, kind of malty, kind of honeyish, kind of dunkly. Yeah. What is it? Well, that's, th- those are all pretty good. This is, we've never had this on like this kind of variety to my knowledge on, okay. on the podcast. Um, this is from main street brewing and this is called their witch's brew, Witch's brew, Witch's brew. And it's a short spear Schwartz. So it's a German Schwartz beer. Okay. Which is like, it's basically like a dark lager. Oh, which is a Dunkel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, oh nice. Yeah. So you were, uh, you're pretty, hey, pretty nailing it there. 119 podcasts. I'm starting to learn how to taste beer. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, but Sorry. yeah, it is. I didn't even try it. I just, I yeah, saw you, it up there and I said, we haven't had that. Sure. Fill yeah. it up. <laughs> and, uh, it's, I like it. I'm enjoying it. It's I'm enjoying it too because it's actually like for a dark beer, it's really easy to drink. I think that's the thing with like, um, I I don't know, like maybe Schwartz beer and Dunkel are different, but like I, you know, I guess Dunkel is probably a little more, um, lighter in color a lot of the time. But, um, yeah, that's the nice thing about these dark lagers is there, you kind of get those dark elements of the ale but then you get the lightness of the lager, which is kind of more summery. So it's yeah. like a, it's no surprise that it's spring right now and they release a beer like that because yeah. it's very timely, you know? Yeah. Cause it's got like a lot of nice flavor to it. Yeah. Um, but it's still like very light. Like it's, it's less than 5%. I think it's 4.8% alcohol, 22, um, IBUs hmm. on that bad boy. So it's like easy to drink. Yeah. Um, really kind of a nice, crisp, refreshing. Yeah. Nice bubbly, bubbly on the, for the mouth feel. <laughs> Witch's brew. Witch's brew. And also this is a beer that I believe, um, uh, they make out of the reason why they made it was, uh, there was some other brewers who made, uh, something called like a brooms and something. And it was a beer that another group of people had made, um, to support, um, an organization here in Vancouver, like East side women's shelters or something like okay. that. Um, so they kind of hopped on and, and they made their own, their own beer to, to help support 
a similar organization, I believe. So oh, cool. they're doing all kinds of good stuff Nice over there at main street. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Well, you know, that's the other thing too, about uh, change is that, you know, we've been doing that recently where we've been having beers where we haven't tasted and we just bring them onto the show and like, we don't even do a tester before. We're just like, let's see how this goes. You yeah. Know? And that's kind of a nice little surprise to have as well. I think that's part of change as well is like that when you do change, you don't necessarily know what you're going to change if it's going to be good or if it's going to be better, what's going to happen, right? Like, you know, it's kind of part of the whole thing is you just got to try it out and, and see, and more often than not, you'll probably be all right, you know? Um, but I think also like with change, I think one of the things that I'm learning to embrace, and this kind of maybe leads us to like why we don't change is that if it doesn't turn out as good as I would like it to, or if it turns out in my experience or opinion worse, that in that be okay with that, because the value was in the change itself, not necessarily in the result that came from it. Like simply my willingness to change and try something new was the win, but not necessarily the change, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, the other day, like I think doing something different is a win. Yeah. Just like the act is a, is a yeah. win. So like, maybe that's why we don't do it is because we're, we're so caught up in the result of yeah. change. Like, yeah. well, what if I change and then, you know, something bad happens or if I change and I lose what I already have or, you know, I mean the opposite thing that you can look at is like, well, what happens if you don't change? Right. What happens if you don't make a change of some kind, if you don't create any sort of interruption to the pattern you're in. Because if the desire for to do something different is there, that means there's something that's not working right now. Right. There's something that's just not, that's not flowing. That's not moving and jiving with you. And now it's starting to manifest itself in pain of some kind. Right. You know, in, in uh, emotional, it can be physical. I think that's kind of one of the ways that, that these things go. It, like it, it can start off as like an emotional thing. It becomes a mental thing. It becomes a physical thing. It's like tears of how, like how horrible it, it becomes until you can't ignore it and you yeah. have to do something different. Um, so I, I think the whole, the whole point is, is to, to make peace and, and engage with change in a way that we understand that it's a healthy thing. And that I think again, that it doesn't need to be necessarily astronomical. You don't have to uproot your entire life to make a change. Yeah. It can like, you can find, um, you know, the inspiration in, in the everyday by making, by making small changes. But But that's the thing too, is that change can be temporary. It doesn't have to be forever. Yeah. You know, it can be, and it can also be a break. You don't have to look at it as like, Oh, like, you know, cause one of the things that I don't want to do in my life is start because I, you know, I've seen it and I'm sure I've done it myself, but it's like when you try to run away from a problem, you just find yourself in the same problem. You always somewhere have. else <laughs> it's like saying wherever, wherever I am or wherever I go, there I am. Right. You know, wherever you go, there you are kind of idea. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, it's cause some, cause people might take the interpret this as okay. I got to quit my job. I hate my job. I'm quitting my job. Well, maybe, maybe you don't hate your job. Maybe, you know, I got to move. I got to change cities. I got to, 
you know, whatever. It's like, well, not necessarily. Maybe what you need is just simply a break or a something else for a little bit, you know, then what you're doing, you know? And like, yeah. um, I think that's, that's important to, to consider that you don't have to necessarily do something super dramatic. Although in some cases you may need to do something dramatic. Like, yeah. you know, if you're in an environment like, you know, like I was thinking back, like in my previous moments of success in my life were often when I started doing something brand new, like I went to a new school, like went to college or, you know, joined a new class, uh, joined a new group. Um, I had an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself with those people and, and not have myself tied down by the way I felt other people saw me or treated me. You know, um, one thing like for me, like I went, I, I moved away from my family for a little bit because whenever I was around my family, they always treated me like the baby, like the littlest son, you know? And it was like yeah. weird, like, like, a, and no matter what I did, no matter how much I grew, no matter what I built, it was kind of like I was treated a certain way. And so, you know, I went away for a little bit and it was hard for, for everybody, but like I came back and now, you know, I feel like I'm treated a lot more. Um, well, I mean, this happened way before, but I felt mm-hmm. like I was treated a lot more like where I wanted to be in life, you know? but that's part of it too. I think sometimes you got to get away from people because they can't break their mindset of you and they won't look at you differently. Yeah. They'll hold you in the idea that they want you to be. And they don't like change because change can be scary to other people too when you yeah. change. Right. Yeah. You know? And I think that, you know, when we're talking about this change too, like if you're in a relationship with someone like, and they want, and they're not happy and they want to start changing, like allow them to embrace that. If you really want to help them flourish and you care about them and not just what you get, like, like, like it, they might be different. You might not, it might not be the same and that might not be as comfortable for you, but if you really truly want them to be happy, allow them to flourish and change too. Don't pin them and hold them down into a scenario. Yeah. And if you're around a partner who won't let you change, I mean, or is just really fighting against it, like stand your ground. You know, I like, I think that, you know, um, that's one of those things is like, that's, that's what you sign up for. In my opinion, when you get, when you get in a friendship or you get in a a relationship, what you signed up for is an evolving being, you know, if you want something that's the same, go get a television you know, that yeah. will stay the same. You know, it's not going to transform yeah, into something you can else. Watch at least reruns not. for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you want a relationship, <laughs> you signed up for change. If you want a real friendship, you signed up for change. Yeah. Otherwise it's temporary. Yeah. Well, be, yeah. I mean, relationships are really, to me, it's just like relationships are just like you're reflecting each other back sure. to one another. And in some ways it's an agreement to say, it's like, yes, I will continue to reflect you and you will continue to reflect me and we'll continue to grow that way. Right. You know, even if sometimes it makes me upset, (laughs) (laughs) right. But there's a commitment to, to, I think, to watch each other grow and evolve and, and get older and hopefully wiser. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that in part of this whole thing of how, okay, so how do we make this into practical things? Why don't we make changes? Um, can I say one thing before you go on? Tony Robbins says that your friends will hold you down mostly because they're scared. If you start changing, they'll lose you. Mm. So I would say you, you, it's kind of, if you want to change and you see that you need to change is, you know, really be mindful that if your friends 
are not being very receptive to it, but you don't necessarily want, you know, you still want them in your life is to try to be respectful that they're probably scared that they're going to lose you now that you're being different now that you're changing. Maybe you're not spending as much time with them, Yeah. but like maybe just try to, you know, communicate with them and just tell them what you need and what you're doing. And, and, and even declare like, you know, look, I'm not being the kind of person I want to be in my life. You know, and I like, maybe your friends go out and they drink every weekend and you don't want to do that anymore. Be like, look, I, I want to keep hanging out with you. I just don't want to hang on on Saturday nights drinking all night or, or every night of the week drinking. I want to go let you know, but if you, if you want to hang out with me and go do this thing, let's do it. And if they don't, then they might not really be your friend. They might not really like they might like your company and that's a different, that's a, cause we're well, social beings, that, right? You know, they it's don't. not that you're not your friend. Yeah. But like, they're not like one thing about friendship is, this is the, the hard lesson I've had to learn is there's, there's really two types of friends. There's friendships of convenience and there's actual friendships that are built on values. Yeah. If you're in a friendship of convenience, people will only hang out with you so long as it's convenient to them. So long as you're still part of the social group they're a part of, so long as you're still doing what they like to do. Yeah. And that's the only way they'll be your friend. But like real true friends, you can go start doing something else and they'll still be your friend. And even if they don't see you as much, that won't harm their opinion of you. You know, they won't like, they'll look at it and, and, and they might even try to try out what you're doing if you're open to it. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, I think, and that's part of life. I mean, we're going to have more friends of convenience than we're going to have real true friends. It's just a part of life. And it's not that they don't like you. It's not that you're not a good person. It's not, it's just like your values can change and your priorities can change. And, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah. For, for everybody involved. Right. I think it gets like, yeah, it gets weird when again, people try and control the whole situation. And sometimes you just got to like, let some stuff go Yeah, a little bit, you know, like there's when, when I think of, yeah, there's friends that I, I used to be close with in, in my life and we don't really talk anymore. Like it's, it's nothing personal. It's just, we're have different interests. Yeah. Different things that we want to do. We changed in ways and, and, wanted to follow these things. And, and it's not like I cannot speak to these people whenever I do see them. They're still a friend, Mm -hmm. right? I still like, it's, there's, there's no hostility there. Right. It's just, yeah, it is what it is. Things, right? Like this, like we, yeah, you went this way. I went this way. Shit. What are we going to do? Like, yeah. Like I would almost being, being a good friend is saying, absolutely. Like go that way, do what you need to do, you know, to be happy. Right. And, and that's cool. I can't walk with you on this one because I've got to go this way Mm -hmm. because that's maybe that's what makes me happy. And we'll meet up again. You know what? And we'll meet up again. One of my friends right now is like uh, one of the closest guys in my life he and I were really great friends when we were super young, like, like little kids really. Yeah. And then, you know, we went on totally different paths through our teens and, you know, twenties, like this totally different paths. Yeah. Now we're like, you know, we're at a place now where we're like, you know, we're pretty like, you know, we were hanging out all the time, 
And now like, you know, he recently got married. He's in a relationship. He's doing that. He's spent a lot of time with her. We don't spend as much time together. I'm, you know, I'm single, you know, they're in a relationship. They'll make time. Right. But like we, we do kind of different things, but that's the nice thing is like, you know, you can kind of go apart from someone, you can come back to them, you know? And it's not like, like, it's not like we're not friends. And I'm really glad you kind of pointed that out because, you know, I think friendship is one of those things like be grateful for the time you had that friendship. That was valuable. That time you had it. If you're not friends anymore, maybe you're even enemies now. Maybe you like hate each other, but like that time you had when you were friends, that was real. That was, that mattered to you and it probably mattered to them. And even if anybody's hurt or, or whatever, or you just don't talk to them or you lost touch, like that doesn't mean that whatever you had together wasn't good. And I Mm -hmm. think sometimes people like they get scared, they get scared. Well, if this person's not in my life, who will I have? I'll be alone. It's like, maybe that person needs to leave your life to make space so that you can meet someone else. Like, and add to your friend circle, you know, because like you don't necessarily have to have all the same friends you're hanging out with for all of your life, Mm -hmm. you know? And the other thing too, is like, I think like, you you know, you see people and they're like, you know, they, they, they want to do everything their friends are doing, get married at the same time, have babies at the same time, do all these things at the same time. And it's like, that's good that you want to do all that stuff at the same time. But like, are you doing it because you want to do it? Or are you doing it because everybody else is doing it? Mm-hmm. You know? And that's like, you know, I've seen that in my life where people kind of, you know, and it's like, well, are you doing it because you want to do it? Or are you doing it because that's what everyone's doing right now? And like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's hard sometimes because, you know, like I definitely know as like being a, being single has, you know, cause a lot of my friends are in relationships it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Most of the people kind of will make accounts and like make room. And I don't feel like the third wheel, Mm -hmm. but like at the same time, I'm not doing coupley things. You know, I'm doing more like single guy things. I'm not necessarily going out to club and drinking, doing that stuff, but I'm, but I have a certain kind of freedom to do what I want whenever I want. Whereas like, you know, they got to kind of ask their partner and go, okay, can we, can we do this? Can we, we make enough time for each other? I mean, they have certain things they're trying to uphold. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I just kind of go, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna battle with that, you know, but like, you know, you make that decision in your life. And that's something that, you know, I think I'll make in my life at a certain point, you know, where I'll pair up with somebody and then I'll want to put that person as a priority as well. And so like, you know, I try to have empathy for my friends who are in the relationships and, and hopefully they have enough empathy for me, you know, to, to understand what it's like to be the single guy at a couple's retreat or something. Yeah. You know I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, so, you know, and as long as, as long as everybody kind of allows everybody their own space to be who they are and be where they are, yeah. it's all good. But if they don't, you know, then it's like, well, you know, you're not going to hang out with that social circle anymore. And, and maybe for a time you don't hang out, maybe you come back later. I don't know, you know, but yeah. So I think like, I think this is why we avoid change because we're worried we have to tempt, we may have to let things go for a little bit. Yeah. And things that we're familiar with and And comfortable comfortable with. with. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's again, it's like getting used to being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's something that I think we can 
start to learn to be, to again, be conscious of, to be aware of. And when we are more consciously actually engaged with change and with creating change and doing things differently, um, and, and are actually taking action to, to have change, then maybe we won't be so resistant to, to it, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think most of the time we're, we're so, we're fighting against it so hard as opposed to going with it, you know, like the martial arts, they talk about using, using your opponent's force against them. Mm-hmm. You use changes force to, to move with you once yeah. you learned how to move. Cause like you feel that push on you of this change, this desire, there's this, there's this something, I don't know what you would even call it. There's this something that's trying to create change and instead you go, okay, and you can move with it or you can direct the change in some way. Um, and I think just in terms of like a practical thing, this was something I read recently in an article that came out of a study from UCLA. Oh, it was like four things that four things that are, will make you happier. Like, like they had neuroscientists and stuff and they did all of these things. And one of the things was, um, making, making decisions. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that change is always yeah. trying to do is like make a decision, right? Commit one way, commit or the other. one way or the other. Cause yeah. that change requires you to make a decision of some kind. Right. And one of the biggest problems with making decisions that people have is trying to make a perfect decision. A like flawless a decision. flawless decision. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to create a change and I'm going to do something, I've got to make sure that this is, again, this is an outcome thing. You the know, right decision. The right decision. I want to make sure I make the right decision. Yeah. And what they were saying in this article and with neuroscientists and psychologists and whatever, and they were saying, make the decision that's good enough. And I thought that was great. Yeah. It's just like, make it, it's like, you're never going to make a perfect decision. And by trying to make a perfect decision, you're not going to make a decision. You're going to stay in a state of indecision, right? Because you'll be trying to figure out what the right thing is to do or how to make it come out in a specific controlled way that you think is desirable. And ultimately saying it's like, well, there's usually a couple of choices that you can see that are actually in front of you that are present. Mm-hmm. You can look at them and say, it's like, okay, well, I don't necessarily know what the right one is here, but what is the decision that is good enough right. to make? It's not perfect, but it'll do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically what they were saying is that making the decision that'll do yeah. is the one to make. Right. Because it's, it's movement it's kind of getting over it. And it's like, it's going to create movement, whatever. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Just do it. (laughs) Make the decision. I think, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I I mean, you know, making decisions is the only way to move in life. And as we talked about, if you get stagnant, you know, you die, like you're, you, you lose. And the one way to be at the whim of the world is to be an indecision. If you want to, if you want to have any say over your destiny or your dreams or your goals, you've got to make decisions. Yeah. And one way or the other, you'll know if your decision is taking you towards it or away from it or off to another place entirely. And you'll know, but like you can own that. And sometimes the path to your dreams 
and goals is not the most direct one either. But I think like, um, I think the, the practical advice I would give people is just get straight on your values. Like, what are your values? What do you want? You know, like, and a, that was, that was a big shift for me. I started, you know, I think where things really started to shift for me, as I said, well, you know, what is one of my, what are my top values? Right. And I, I realized that experience a certain amount of space and freedom in my life, at least currently at this juncture, this stage in my life is really important to me. I want freedom and flexibility to be able to do what I want when I want. Mm -hmm. And so I've succeeded far over the moon at accomplishing that. I mean, I literally spend every single day doing what I want when I want. Now that I've created that freedom, it's created new, interesting value opportunities. Okay. Now that the freedom's created now, what do I value now that the freedom's here? What do I want to build with the freedom that I actually have? You know, I think it's, you know, I think sometimes you need to get to a certain place before you can see another option, you know? And so, um, it's funny because I have all this freedom and yet I'll do the same thing over and over again. It's like, yeah, well, okay. That's not really, I'm not really experiencing my freedom, you know? Right. And so like another thing I did was, uh, you know, I, you know, I thought about moving cause I thought about this place and I thought like, do I want to move from this place or do I want to stay in this place? And, um, you know, I really did kind of an evaluation of that and I went, well, there, there's right now there's more pros than there are cons for moving. So I looked at it and I go, well, I still want my freedom, but I also, another value I want is I want my space. But like right now, or at least where it was, I was like, I don't feel like I I have my space. Yeah. So one of the things I've been actively working at doing is creating, creating opportunity for me to experience space. Mm -hmm. And so I created a situation now where I can move my furniture so everything's movable. So if I want the couch on that side of the room, it can be on that side of the room. It can be on this side of the room. It can be over there reversed right around. I can, I can do whatever I want. All the furniture can be placed and I can create space here. And it's totally flexible and dynamic for me, depending on what I want to do. I want to film an audition. I can move everything out of the way. I can shoot an audition right there. Yeah. If I want to watch TV and I want to get close to the screen and game, I can move the couch right up to it and I can do that. You know, everything is is designed right now for the way that's suiting my life. Yeah. And so I, I took what I had and I worked with that. And so, you know, now that I've done that, I've kind of claimed a certain power over my space. And so I'm looking and going, okay, well, you know, what are, you know, what are like, what are the other things that I want to build beyond that? Right. So I think like practical skills you can do is like, first, just take account about like, this is what I would say to people, take account of what you have right now. Yeah. What is available to you? What are your options? And consider taking everything you already have changing nothing. And and before you think about what you're going to get rid of or what you're going to keep, just go, what can I do with what I have? And then you can start making decisions with that. Once you start looking at that, you know, in my experience, I found things I'm like, well, I don't really want this thing. I have this thing. I don't like it. Or I have these things. And so, you know, I went through and I cleared out a bunch, a bunch of stuff that I didn't want or need or didn't serve me anymore. And so once I did that, it opened up a new, a new bit of room. And then I started to see more finer details. Okay. Well, I want this thing, but I don't want all of what's in this box, for example, so I can get rid of all this. And like, 
I like, I took out like one box and I literally like, there's some boxes. I just cleared out the whole box, all the stuff, but there's some boxes where it's like, there was one thing in the whole box I wanted. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, why did I, why was I, I was carrying a whole box of a bunch of like 90% of the shit I didn't want or more. And there was one thing in here that I wanted. And yeah. it's like, you know, and I think that's, that's a way for us to kind of go through our life and start to look at like, how do I, you know, and realize all the shit that we're carrying around with us yeah. in our minds and in our emotions and in the way that we go about our lives that we're just like, this is, I, I don't even want this. Yeah. But we hang on to it because it's familiar. Right. When someone, someone actually, uh, suggested me because uh, this is something I've been doing. I've been sorting through things in my place and kind of clearing out what I want, figuring out what I'm going to give away, throw away and sell. And, um, a, someone was saying to me like, yeah, like we get sentimental about stuff. And so they said, yeah. you know, one of the strategies you can do is just take a picture of it. Just take a picture of it, you know, then you'll ha- always have it, but it doesn't take up any space anymore. And it's yeah. like, that's a great strategy. Cause there's certain things. It's like, I, it's meaningful to me, but the thing in and of itself, I could let the thing go. It's what I don't, why I don't want to let the thing go is because I don't want to let go of the memory. I don't want to let go of the story that came with the thing, but like the picture will carry the story with me, but the thing takes up a certain amount of space. Like for example, there was one day where I biked up this mountain called Eagle mountain. Now, like I literally bicycled up it on a full suspension bike. Yeah if anyone knows Eagle mountain, they know how hard that is because it's not like a path. It's like boulder rocks. Like I had, and creeks and mountain ranges and all sorts of things that I had to get through in in an area that's like not like even hikers would have a tough time, but I took my bike and certain parts I had to carry my bike because you couldn't even ride it. And then I rode my bike down that mountain and I grabbed a rock at the very top of it and I took it with me meaningful little rock, stupid little rock. Doesn't, it's not special to anybody but me. Yeah. It's like, do I really need to carry this rock around with me for the rest of my life? Yeah. You know, maybe I can just have a picture of this little rock. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's stuff like that. And it's weird. It's like, it seems so small. Like, like part of me is like, well, it's just this little rock. It's not like it's taken up that much space. That's when I know I need to like, be like, okay, you got to check. Yeah. <laughs> Like if it takes up any space at all physically in your physical world, you know, maybe look at that. So I don't know. That's like, a, that, those are some things that I've been working on and maybe that helps. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is kind of interesting. Like this shot off into directions. I didn't even necessarily. Yeah. Th- I mean, that's usually how these, how these talks go. Even when we have a topic coming in like today, um, I was just like, yeah, I have no idea. And that's part of, I mean, what's, what's great about this podcast and what I've learned from doing the podcast is, is yeah, being open to change to this conversation being something that I didn't necessarily think it was going to be. Hmm. Um, but I feel like we've, this, this, the topic has spurred on some interesting, uh, inspiration. Yeah. Like the, we had a topic that was kind of something different. I thought that, uh, came across my way. We went and explored it, brought all kinds of different inspiration with it, which is the whole point of this conversation of doing something different. Um, consciously, consciously being part of 
the change and the movement that is going on uh, in your life and your work and finding inspiration within it, no matter what, what actually physically manifests itself from the change. Hmm. Um, it's more so about the exploration of it to see what's there. Maybe it's nothing. You'll know that it's nothing, but maybe you'll find something really extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess these are in some ways my closing comments to this, but, uh, yeah, be a part of the flow of change. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Um, you will never control change, but you can control how much of a willing participant you will be with change. And in some ways you can actually start to make decisions within the change. You can say, okay, I'm in this change. I'm going to make some decisions right within it. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 this has been good. I've liked this. It has been good. And you know, change, change gives you new options. That's, I think that's the, the biggest benefit that I notice. I mean, regardless of what happens, you have some new options and options, I think, create, create a certain sense of self-esteem. And, and I think if you have more ways to get something done, there's more chance that you'll have a certain confidence and belief in yourself. And I think, you know, a confident people tend to trust their decisions. They just tend to think that what they're going to do is going to be all right. It's going to work out. And even if it doesn't work out, even if it doesn't work out and unconfident people or people with low self-esteem tend to be the ones that sit on fences and don't make decisions. So I think that our listening audience could really take that to heart. You know, it's like, if you want to be someone with high self-esteem and and a certain amount of confidence, and you really want to be someone who actually is making what they want happen and finding out what your potential is, make some decisions and don't worry. Like maybe you make a lot of decisions that don't necessarily lead to what you think you want, but like you'll end up with a new perspective, which might be what you need, you know? And I think creatively we can all respect and appreciate that new perspective is probably the cornerstone of creativity. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. One of the, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. So perspective, creativity, change, on that people. <laughs> that was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.